Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Most of our podcasts this month are going to be marathon-focused for obvious reasons, but April is also Bowel Cancer Awareness Month, and our guest this week is the remarkable Nathaniel Dye. Nathaniel was recently diagnosed with stage 4 bowel cancer aged just 37. Despite the diagnosis, he is still running and hoping to complete an ultra at some point in the future. More than that, though, he says that running has taught him the importance of persevering and continuing to move forward. He's now on a mission to spread the word about bowel cancer and the importance of spotting symptoms early and doing something about it. That way, you're likely to receive a better diagnosis than the one he's currently living with. Nathaniel is an amazing interviewee who manages to find the humour amid the tragedy, and his message about running is really a universal one. That it's one of life's greatest activities, so make the very most of it while you can. Here's Nathaniel. Can you tell us a bit about how you first got into running that, and some of your running uh, pre-diagnosis as kind of runner that you were? Well, um, I first started running um, with my partner at the time, who was quite a keen runner, was training for a marathon, and it was simply in order to just keep up, honestly. (laughs) But um, then um, I kind of started going under my own steam. I'd been booked in for the London Marathon, quite jammily, actually. I'm really sorry, everyone. I got in first time. (laughs) But that's my only piece of luck, I reckon. And um, so I got through that London Marathon, then uh, joined the running club, East London Runners, and since it's just been a gradual build up. So I started this incredible novice, I'd say, uh, in the meantime. And I was in a pair of broken hiking sandals. <laughs> I thought, no, I don't want to lose any toenails to this. And um, well, like, for like, for like, like sort of Birkenstock, like, like exposed toe. Absolutely. I I think we're talking about a pair of Teavers, maybe. And um, yeah, 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 of course, everyone's first bit of running footwear is a pair of Teavers, right? Yeah, 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 of course. And um, yeah, so I got an Achilles tendon injury pretty quickly, as you can imagine, Um, going around my local park, maybe up to about half a mile. And then, but just gradually increased and increased and eventually um, started running, started running marathon distance, you know, under my own steam and trying to go as quickly as possible. And then I thought, hey, um, I'm creating a bit of pressure here running marathons. I didn't really like the whole process of three months going for one race, which may or may not go well. So I thought, hey, well, if I'm going to spend three months training, how far can I go? Because um, about maybe about four years ago, I started to hear about ultras. And so 50K turned into, oh, OK, there's a, there's a 100K. It's called the Canalophone. I'll go for that. Um, nice and flat, actually. Here's, here's the thing, right? Canal bridges really are not flat. 
if anyone does that race, somehow those little inclines start to feel under, like Everest. Yeah, yeah. They really, really do, or any any kind of interruption in that flat. But yeah, so I got through my first hundred k, and I remember saying to whoever was there at the finish, "I love running. It's amazing, but I don't want to do anymore." <laughs> And then I'll never forget at that point getting up the steps in the hotel that night and then down the next morning. Um, and I then I think that day decided I was going to do 100 miles. Wow. Wow. So, um, quick turnaround. Quick turnaround. The, the thought yeah, process yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that won't be uh, unfamiliar to some. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. But um, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm not really proud of having gone far, further and further. I think to an extent, it just happened. I mean, borderline addiction level, perhaps you just have to, you just do it and it feels good and it feels better and better. Sure, sometimes it's absolutely arduous. But um, then um, I went around one of these loop races um, in East London and um, it was a 24 hour and I just made it to 100 miles within those 24 hours. Um, which was um, pretty harsh, but I, I trained way too much actually. If anyone's thinking about going for 100 miles, so um, I found the most extreme plan I possibly could, um, which said something like 50K Saturday, 50K Sunday for maybe three weeks. I think I did four just to be sure, building up and then a bit of a taper. Um, and it turns out that was probably too much That's in too retrospect. Much. That's saying, okay not I'll, to. I went for the other end because I've done one run. And I think I think 50k was about what I did a week, yeah, <laughs> which is go. probably somewhere in between. Your nice plan is probably the sweet spot for the hundred mile. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure yet. So I've done three to date, um, but um, I'm probably most proud of the of the most recent one last October, um, which was um, the Centurion uh, Autumn 100. Oh, yeah. And um, that was both my fastest, so in about 23 hours and 20-something minutes. Um, and also, um, I'd, I was pretty ill, to be honest. Um, so I, um, oh, I've got stage four bowel cancer. I didn't know it at the time, but I knew I was pretty ill. And um, so uh, I don't know if we'll get onto symptoms later, but hey, I was bleeding that morning. Um, and I, I was thinking, uh, this isn't great, but I'll do what I can. I'll have a go because um, I've never failed to finish a race. And yeah, these things cost a lot of money, a hotel, etc. I've had to at least try. So I tried and yeah, there were a ton of extra pit stops and I didn't really get out of third gear, but Hey, it turns out third gear is plenty for a hundred miler. <laughs> yeah, that's all yeah. you need, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was just a case of grinding it out mile after mile along the Thames path on the Ridgeway. And hey, maybe because I was so relatively slow, because pretty much um, frequent blood loss and you know the, is the, the issues that bowel cancer created, um, I couldn't go that fast. So therefore, I didn't I didn't do any damage in the early stages. And I didn't lose that much pace. I even had a little bit of a purple patch in about the last eighth, I think it was, and um, got back to a few sub 10 minute miles. And just, I ended up over the line. 
And I was like, wow, fantastic. Um, unfortunately, um, I also had the um, test that would prove I had bowel cancer two days later after finishing on that Sunday morning, um, for which I had to fast. So um, here I am, post 100 miler, I've probably burned about 10,000 calories of which I've tried to put back. Let's be generous, half of that. Um, and so I've got a very reduced, uh, low residue diet. Then the next day I go into work and um, can't eat anything. Yeah, feeling pretty depleted, have to, um, have to take some foul medicine you know that clears you out and then they I won't go into too many details they stick a camera up and have a look and um, after that after it happened um, I got something which is I'll consider it one of the two best meals in my life okay that was a custard cream (laughs) (laughs) after having fasted before this hundred miler and that tasted like bliss um, but um, having mentioned the two greatest meals of my life, I've got to say right up there is in the middle of the um, Brecon Beacons Way um, 100. And with, it's pretty tough. I think eventually I finished in uh, just under 36 hours. Um, I did 109 miles. It was meant to be 102, but I got lost a couple <laughs> of times. And um, perhaps 24 hours in, so in the morning, something like, I don't know, six or seven o'clock, I'm walking along towards this village hall and I'm a little bit tired. I'm walking along and kind of nodding off. Okay, yeah. It's a really weird feeling to be falling asleep whilst walking. Then I think, okay, um, why don't I jog a bit to wake up? So um, along this kind of road, I start jogging and finally reach this village hall. And I think in joint first place, the best meal of my life, a cup of black coffee, a bag of crisps, washed down with some Red Bull. Then I'm good to go. Oh, it's perfect. It's a perfect combo. It's It's a dream chef, isn't it? (laughs) Um, So if we, I mean, uh, you've done a race and you've quite clearly unwell when you started doing this race and... At what point did you like? Did it was this a sudden thing? Did the did, did the symptoms come on with the bleeding? Was this like an? A, a, how much of an insight did you have into your unwell, like having cancer before you were actually diagnosed? Well, I'd say symptoms. It's hard to tell because they come and go, like anything that comes and goes. Say running injuries, for example, when they're not there, you completely forget about them. Um, and I. I knew something was up maybe six months before I put my hand up in September. Let's be generous. I mean, perhaps March um, started to feel something, just put it off as nothing. But maybe another six months before that, I started to find it harder to get out the door running just gradually. Started to get slower and slower despite having, you know, done all the right things in training, eating really well, doing strength work. I'd even started working with a coach somehow. Um, and this is crazy. I'd end up, ended up with Jason Schlub, who um, online, but, you know, he, he, um, he's, he's, been, he's fourth in UTMB, for example. I thought, great, okay, we're on the right track here. But I'm just getting slower and slower and slower over, over those few months. And, hey, I guess we know why now. But um, 
that's the thing. You, you, you think as an ultra runner, you're immune and absolutely far from it. Um, maybe you're really attuned to your body. Maybe I should have listened more because I should have been getting faster and faster. I'm not quite um, old enough now at 37 really to have started to properly go downhill. So I should have been, you know, starting to, starting to step up and I was just falling down and um, going further backwards in the pack. I mean, maybe by the time of that 100 miler, I was slower than when I'd started running marathons. Yeah. So, so that, that's one symptom, it's sort of a general kind of malaise, I guess. What, what, what other symptoms should people potentially be aware of, would you say? Well, I'd say, um, first of all, um, consult official sources like um, Bowel Cancer UK, NHS website, etc. But um, the phrase is a persistent change in bowel habit. And that's really quite hard to judge. You know, I was a pretty hardcore vegan. I had 10 of my five a day. So, you know, you do go to the toilet pretty frequently on that. I mean, quite a lot of vegan runners will be listening to this and thinking, yeah, I've um, had to make a duck into the bushes in the middle of a race, whatever, especially in an ultra. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't. But um, when that starts happening more and more, and I mean, really, we're talking at times, you know, 10, 12 times a day. And um, that's, that's a clear warning sign. But, I mean, it can go the other way as well. Um, I mean, if there's blood, I mean, it's really hard to tell if there's blood. Maybe what comes into the toilet, it could be a little tinge of red on the paper or something. Um, it could be, um, I'm really sorry if, if anyone's eating. Um, if you've got little ridges like on a churro, that means there's an obstruction. Well, it certainly did in my case. Um, so we're talking about the, the sort of shape of the poo. Absolutely. Um, and so um, th this is a really weird phrase. Seriously, knowing your shit could save your life. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's it's great advice for sure. I mean, that's that's if, the thing, I guess, certainly my knowledge around it has, in, has, has increased through people we've spoken to here and also friends of mine who've, who, who are going through um, diagnosis. And, uh, and I think that the education around it is not something that, is until you know someone who's going through it or you go through it yourself is the only time you really get an idea of how to recognize symptoms and secondly because it is related to the bowel and poo and stuff people don't really want to talk about it well absolutely and um, I mean part of my mission now because um, I don't have a lot of time left necessarily hopefully I've got a few years but who knows so I just want to tell everyone I want to scream and shout hey um, if you notice anything at all, get yourself checked because it was too late for me, but it might not be for you. Even if you're an ultra fit, ultra marathon runner and at the peak of your fitness, this could still happen or in fact, any kind of life limiting illness. So just be aware, listen to your body if you possibly can. As far as your diagnosis, Nat, what, what did the doctor, what did the doctor tell you upon the, the examination? What, what, what was kind of, what were you told? Well, um, it's a bit interesting because I, when I first put my hand up and went to the um, GP, the um, kind of vibe was, oh, you're too young to have bowel cancer. Okay. Um, so he said, OK, you've got a family history, kind of. Although if, if, if those in the family are maybe over 70, it's not such a concern, apparently. But um, because I had a family history, he said, OK, here's a blood test and a stool sample. Um, go get these tested out. And 
then it escalated from there um, at this uh, colonoscopy after the ultra. Um, <laughs> geez, do you want, how much information do you want, right? So I'm, at, <clears throat> I'm in this meeting with a professional doctor and he says, well, the camera went in and you might have noticed it came out again. I'm sedated, I'm not really sure, to be honest. And um, he says, then I had to put in the baby camera. And I'm thinking, hang on, baby camera? You're a professional here. I'm not quite sure what that means. So we gloss over that because I'm a little bit stunned. And he said, well, that didn't get past either. So there was a clear obstruction. And um, so then that escalated to um, eventually a surgeon and an oncologist were involved. And then we started treatment um, last December, uh, December 16th, just before my birthday. What a nice present. This is the Runner's World podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And how is the how's the current the treatment going now? Well, um, so I I didn't really run unfortunately during chemo. I wanted to, yeah. but it just wasn't happening. I had something called peripheral neuropathy, which um, is like an extreme pins and needles in your hands, feet, throat, nostrils, which just and it was winter as well. Couldn't really go out with that, um, but my job was just getting better. So through two, three weeks, I cycles of chemotherapy, which produces uh, quite a few ill effects. Um, and then I, um, I thought I was constipated. Um, turns out I wasn't. I had a p- complete bowel obstruction. So uh, I don't know, maybe this is a disadvantage of being um, an ultramarathon runner and having that mindset. I kind of worked my way through the pain for about five days. And we're talking waves of pain coming in and out to the point that by about day five, I wasn't eating or drinking. There was just, it was too painful to do that. But it took about that long for me to, rather than just complain a little bit to say, right, I need to go to hospital now. I'm not coping with this. So eventually I did. And um, emergency surgery um, 
within about 24 hours and I was gutted like a fish. I ended up with something called a stoma, which um, I'm going to be quite open about these as well because quite a lot of bowel cancer campaigners are. A lot of people who don't have bowel cancer have one. And actually, um, it's turned out really quite useful for me. So a stoma is a bit of, a bit of gut that um, comes out of, the, out of the edge of your stomach. Um, I've literally been torn a new arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> incredible so and and is it is it part of the intestine or the stomach or how was it what so for me it's part of the um, large intestine that's called a colostomy yeah. and that goes out into a bag yeah. which um which co collects everything that comes out and you once you get used to that change that about two or three times a day yeah. now I thought initially that would be horrific I couldn't even look at it at first when they changed the bag for me eventually I had to learn to myself that's strange, learning how to go to the toilet again when you're 37. But anyhow, it's, it's fine. And for anyone who unfortunately has to go through this, it's probably better than what you had before. And so I haven't got back to running long enough where I've had to really um, look into emptying this mid-run or anything. But I can... I can definitely say for now, I'll happily change that two or three times a day rather than go about 12 days at with pain but, and discomfort and not passing and all those sorts of things. Yeah, all yeah. of those things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and having having just about recovered from the surgery the other day, I ran seven miles. Yeah. I mean, and that, that that felt like a long run. Yeah. But hey, that's huge. And um, yeah, uh, I've got a little bit of pain around the surgery sites, but that's okay. How, how does it feel to be, run, to be running again? I, I get a bit emotional um, because being stuck at home when everyone else was out there racing and everything and, you know, following the spine race, that kind of thing, I just thought, wow, this is, this is horrible. Um, and I, I couldn't believe how much I missed just even the worst bits, even those horrible January, February, dark five o'clock starts on a running commute, whatever it is, completely and utterly missed it. Um, but I'll tell you about my first return to running. I wasn't really meant to. So post-emergency surgery, um, I was encouraged to get up and walk a little bit around the ward, maybe on about day four or five. So I'm thinking, right, um, I'm doing this seriously. So I'm doing laps of this hospital ward, you know, striding along, saying hello to everyone. Maybe even there's a physio working at a desk there. And next to him, I'm, I'm just doing a couple of calf raises, that kind of thing. Just, um, just thinking, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove that I can do something here. Turns out he wasn't interested in me at all after that point. <laughs> Bigger fish to fry, I think, in a hospital. Um, but then I think by about day six, I thought, hey, I'll have a little jog. And then within about 12 steps, I get told off by a nurse. Because um, <laughs> turns out you're not to me meant to run uh, around hospital wards, even if it's the slowest shuffle you've ever done. But yeah, that was my glorious return to running. And um, actually at this point, a massive shout out to my brother, John, who um, had, um, whilst I was in hospital, assembled a treadmill in my flat. Oh, John, yes. Um, because 
he he was visiting me as well. He'd come to work from home from my place and then, hey, a bit of time in the evening, hey, I'll put this treadmill together that's arrived because yeah, you're not you're not sure about running outside. So gradually getting back on this treadmill. Um it turns out as well, twelve percent incline is pretty huge. I I've I've got to five five minutes on a 12% incline on a walk, geez. So um, yeah, that's not easy. So I've, I've now got a bit of hill training to boot as a little bonus. And uh, I'm just about running outside again now, which is great too. How is, how, what, what are the sort of, I mean, the practicalities of having a, a bag and running and, and those things, I mean, I know it's quite new for you still, so you're probably learning and, but I mean, most, uh, you'll know, ultra running, you're, you're, you're faffing with a pack a lot of the time. Like even now you've got another bag to worry about. That that main bag is always, you know, so how do you, what you, how does it work? Is it safe? Is it easy to use? Is it all those sorts of things? Well, there's actually quite a process of trial and error to choose the right bag. It's like choosing the right shoes or something. So um, they've got adhesives that stick to your skin. So there is the odd leak sometimes, unfortunately, but generally you're pretty safe not to have a leak. And um, so far, it certainly hasn't come off mid-run. You can get um, spe- special belts that keep everything tight. And um, I- I'd say it's a bit of a game changer. I, it's, it's a bit of freedom. I don't have to worry about needing to go in the middle of a run. I mean, sure, if I were looking at an absolute all-out, I don't know, my marathon PB is 317. That's not going to happen probably. But if I were going for it, maybe it'd be a small factor, but barely. And um, I think there are quite a lot of runners who've taken to social media to say, look, I've got a stoma bag, I've got a colostomy bag, whatever. Hey, I'm still running and I'm fast, well, well faster than me, for example. But on an ultra, I mean, you have to stop and slow down for so many reasons. I mean, it takes about as long for me to change this bag as it would take to change a baby. It's not a big deal, especially in the course of, I don't know, 24 hours plus on a run. It's, you know, it's inconsequential. So, um, hey, I'm hoping within about three months, if I, chemo doesn't knock me out too much again, I might get back to 50K. That'd be nice if anyone's got any recommendations for a nice comeback race. So getting, um, back, getting back to ultra distances is the... The absolute, that's like plan A, basically. Well, I quite like stories. Um, I've, taken to, I've taken to writing um, quite a lot since I got diagnosed. And um, I quite like the narrative of 100 miles to cancer and back again. So, hey, um, if this has taught me one thing, it's taught me just to go for things, just to be bold, just to try. And hey, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work out or someone says no. Before I massively feared those letters dnf um it caused me maybe to be a little bit cautious or to even worse just throw everything in to a goal race because it frightened me so much to imagine myself having to stop midway and it's an advantage of doing lap races because whatever you do is a finish but but hey go for it what's the worst that can happen you have to stop so that's a new attitude now. And um, hey, I wish I'd approached life like that before. I was going to ask you if you feel like, has this diagnosis changed uh, your attitude to running or things that you might change about before? But it sounds like that would be the main, the main thing, maybe more seizing, seizing opportunities and not worrying about failure. Well, I mean, absolutely. Um, 
there, there are a few ways to look at this. I mean, one, it's your leisure time after all. And um, when, you, when you're living against a clock, you think, I mean, do I really want to do this badly enough? And if the answer is yes, then I'll go all in. Um, if there's something that maybe is a little bit boring, like I'll probably get a cleaner for my flat or something. Um, just taking those, taking those moments in life and cherishing them. Um, hey, I, if, I need, if, if I'm really ill and I need to get a taxi somewhere, I'm not going to begrudge that. Um, I, used to, I used to have crazy, crazy, crazy days where I just fit in too much or get obsessed with running. So I remember my Thursdays. So I'm a music teacher and I'd run to, run to work about, um, about seven and a half miles do a full day of work, maybe about 7.30 or so to five o'clock. Yeah. There's an after-school choir rehearsal, whatever. Run back, so you've got about 25k of running. Yeah. Then, um, then I'd grab some dinner, cycle to a brass band rehearsal, I'm a conductor, cycle back. And um, I look back at that now and think, well, okay, that's fine, but you didn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. You can pace it a little bit more. You can yeah. enjoy it a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I mean, one blog I wrote, um, I was just confronted by my newfound ineptitude. I couldn't do anything. Like the, the biggest achievement of the day, apart from literally feeding myself and keeping myself alive, was hanging out the washing on an error. And when you're reduced to that, you think, geez, I, I, I mean, that was my standard Thursday. Yeah, yeah. And um, you kind of realize how successful you were. I mean, I, or look at that amazing 100 mile run when you're really ill. Like, that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, at the time, it was just oh, I got through it, great, where's the next, where's the next challenge? It it's kind of giving yourself credit for it, like actually just chalk, not, not, not just, yeah, exactly, perhaps embracing what you've achieved and taking a moment afterwards to appreciate what you've done rather than being like, good, I ticked that thing off and now I've got to do something either faster or further or whatever it is, whereas in fact it's actually just going, I did 5K, well done me, that was amazing. Like that, you know, really appreciating what's, yeah. what you've just done, yeah. Yeah, I wish I'd just um, taken a step back from the relentless ambition because life just ground it to a halt. Forget about it. You're done. Well, that's how it felt at the time. Now, hey, who knows? There might be a comeback of some kind. Can you tell, can you tell us a bit about your, your blog? Where, where can people go to find out more about these stories? Well, um, my blog, which is, um, sorry for the grammar pedants out there, it's called Nathaniel's cancer chronicle dot site s-i-t-e but without an apostrophe okay oh well, yeah, yeah that's the intent so, to blame isn't it you can't do anything about that yeah it's really it, it does annoy me a bit i must say but um so and this started off honestly just as personal therapy and then i thought hey it could be a way to update friends and family and it's turned out turned into a bit of a public service announcement sometimes and um hey now i'm going to use it to just tell everyone that just because you've got cancer, just because you've got not many years to live, doesn't mean your life is over. And hey, um, if you'd like to keep up with that story, I'd love to, I'd love to get in touch. And um, most of all, 
I'll say again, know your shit. Because, um, because hey, if you can find out, if you can find out before I did that you've got a serious problem and just nip it in the bud, um, you won't get that inev- inevitable stage four further spread. And, um, hey, I, I'd die a bit happier. If people want to find out more about bowel cancer, Nat, where, can, where, where could you advise them to go? Well, um, I can definitely point anyone to Bowel Cancer UK. Um, just search that. And um, they've done a lot of great work, for example, um, promoting new clinical trials. They have a particular campaign that might be of interest to some people called Never Too Young. So anyone who's struggling to um, be believed, essentially, by any medical professional, um, there's some advice there to you know make your voice heard. Because I think... There is a duty to rule these things out. And because 90% of bowel cancer patients are over 60, sometimes those who are younger um, don't necessarily get the thorough checks that they that they perhaps deserve in order to save their life. So, hey, um, if, it's, if it's possible, really, you might have to push. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it, and Nat, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. And I completely agree. I've got a friend currently going through treatment and uh yeah uh, steve's been amazing in terms of positivity and and i see that in yourself as well and it always sort of blows my mind slightly that you can get news that you get and yet it kind of almost seems like a switch has been turned on and there's a sort of sense of i don't know something greater that perhaps everyone else is missing in some way so yeah thanks so much for coming in and, and talking to us thanks for having me so that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Thanks very, very much to our guest, Nathaniel Dye, and to you, of course, for listening. To follow Nathaniel's cancer journey from 100 miles to cancer and hopefully back again, you can visit his blog, nathanielscancerchronicle.site. For more information on the symptoms and signs of bowel cancer, please visit bowelcanceruk.org.uk. You can once again subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just £5. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk forward slash Runners World Podcast to get this exclusive offer. You can listen to the Runners World Podcast on Acast, iTunes and all your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK. Please subscribe. It makes us really happy. And thanks very much for listening. We'll see you again next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. 
So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.